I want to invite you to please open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. This is our third and final installment of our series called The Family Table. And I want to ask you to look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, and we are looking at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6. And we are looking at verse 1. Now, just as a reminder, some of you will remember this. The book of Ephesians has six chapters. The first three chapters are largely confined to the doctrines. Okay, Paul talks about uh, various topics doctrinally centered. The last three chapters of Ephesians focus on Christian duty. And so as we look at the sixth chapter of Ephesians, Paul centers on parents and how to relate to children. Now, some of you know that in November of this year, we are going to be hosting a parenting seminar with Dr. Jennifer Jill Schwartzer. But I think that in light of our study on the series on the book of Ephesians, it would not hurt us to take a brief moment to examine what Scripture says about parents in raising their children. Here's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And why? For this is what? For this is right. Now, Paul is going to use several arguments or several reasons why children should obey their parents. But I want to just point out that his first appeal is very simple. Because he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, by the way, I, I, I want to just set a context here. Because I understand that not all of you have children of your own. But does it make sense that in some capacity, no, I shouldn't say that, without fail, all of us in here today are someone's children, amen? All of us are. And you might be thinking, well, my parents are deceased, but we are also children of our Heavenly Father, amen? And I want to just also say that some of you, may not have children of your own, but may have an influence akin to that of parents in the sense that you may have people under your influence that look to you as a parental figure. Does that make sense? So in some capacity, the words of Paul are applicable to all of us in here today. And, you know, I think that this first appeal about why you should obey your parents is very basic. He says, because this is right. Now, I don't know if you understand this, but there is no culture on earth today where the cultural practices do not have some understanding that children should obey their parents. Does that make sense? There's no culture in the world. And I have been outside of the U.S. I have been to places where Judeo-Christian values do not reign supreme. Uh, I have been in Buddhist cultures. I have been in pagan cultures. 
But almost without fail, and I say that almost because maybe there's somewhere I haven't been, but for, for as far as my understanding is, every culture in the world understands that children should obey their parents. Does that make sense? Now, I want you to notice that Paul makes another appeal in verse 2. He says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with what? With a promise. Now, some of you know this. Paul is quoting what commandment? The fifth commandment. And I need to explain this to you because some of you may know this, but some of you may not. The first four commandments deal with our obedience to who? To God. You know that, right? One, two, three, four deal with obedience to God. But the fifth commandment, it deals with honoring your parents. And there's a reason why it's the fifth commandment. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but the reason why this is the fifth commandment is because this commandment is in some way related to the first four in this regards. When children are growing up, obedience to their parents is akin to obedience to God. Does that make sense? And so that's why in the order of the commandments, obedience to your parents is placed as fifth. Now, did you notice that Paul, prom- he emphasizes. Now, in the first verse, he simply said, children, obey your parents. This is right. And it's true that in every culture of the world, people understand that children should obey their parents. But in the second verse, Paul makes a different appeal. And his appeal is this. In the commandments, this is the first commandment that has a what? A promise. And what's the promise? That if you will obey your honor, your father and your mother, your days will be what? They'll be long. Now, I can tell you that the fifth commandment is one of the, or it is the first commandment that offers this promise. And I know that you will probably recognize that there are cultures in the world that particularly emphasize obedience to their parents. Like there are some cultures in the world where this is like a very strong part of the culture. Interestingly, very interestingly, some of these cultures have people in them that live longer than any other place in the world. I think you know that. And I'm thinking of Japan. Uh, I'm thinking of a few other places where people live unusually long. But I'm going to just point something out in the original language. So please look with me again at verse, uh, look with me at verse 1 again. Because it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, this word obey, in the original Greek, the word obey means to listen under. So I'm a parent. And I can tell you that when I tell my children something, I never doubt if they heard me or not. Some of you know my natural speaking voice is very loud, okay? So I know that my children hear me. But the idea of the word obey, to listen under, it means to listen 
with submissiveness. Does that make sense? And this is what's frustrating because parenting today is different than when I was raised. When I was a child, our parents, they understood or they had the sum of human experience because of how many years they lived. Does that make sense? But kids today, and this is something that I'm facing, and if you're a parent, you're going to face this or you have already faced this. Kids today have these things called smartphones, and they have this thing called YouTube, and they think that because they listen to Jordan Peterson or they listen to Joe Rogan, they think that they know everything. And the problem is that when I tell my children something now, because they listen to Ben Shapiro or someone else, they think that they know better than me. And I'm just going to say this because it's true that we don't, parents, we don't always know everything. Does that make sense? But one of the reasons why God tells children to obey their parents is because parents particularly understand issues related to their children because children are an amalgamation of both parents. Does that make sense? So one of the things that I have told my children is, look, I don't care if you listen to, you know, Jordan P. I don't care if you listen to those things, but I know because you are made up of me, I know that you have problems or issues that come from me, and that's why you have to listen to me. Now, you know, I, I sympathize because today as I'm watching what's happening, it seems like society is making it harder and harder to be a parent. Do you notice that? Um, if you discipline your children, if you get, you know, physical, like kids, kids threaten to call child protective services on their parents. You know, this is what's happening in today's society. I want to address that briefly. I want to ask you to come over to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to look with me at verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6. By the way, before I read that, I want to just make one more point that I should have made. The commandment says that if you obey obey your parents, you will live long. That's true, right? And I want to make a point here that just because the commandment says that, it is not to the neglect of obedience in other areas. What do I mean? If I drink, if I use drugs, illegal drugs, if I drive recklessly, that does not negate in any way, or I should say obedience to my parents does not negate these other factors where I'm being disobedient. Does that make sense? And I know, you know, there are church members that pay a faithful tithe, that return a faithful tithe. And I I hope that everyone will do that. And you know, the Bible says if you return a faithful tithe, the windows of heaven would be poured out, right? And so sometimes people don't recognize that not only does God expect us to return a faithful tithe, but we also have to be obedient in the other areas to see the blessing of God in our lives. Does that make sense? So obedience to parents doesn't negate you know, all the other things that God expects us to do in order for us to reap the benefits of having a long life. 
But please, come down with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at verse 4, and let's talk a little bit about how parents should relate to their children. Here's what it says. You fathers, provoke not your children to what? To wrath. Now, can parents make their children upset? Can they make their children angry? Absolutely. That's, that is not in question here. But I want to just highlight some things from my own experience that I think is common in the human experience with parenting. I think parents, we can be unreasonable sometimes. Let me tell you a true story. My son uh, took the SAT. You guys know what that is, right? And when he took the SAT, I, I wanted him to get a better score. And it's not because, you know, the, the reason was because I wanted him to get a certain score so that he would get a certain amount of scholarship money from college. Does that make sense? So I put him into a course. It was very expensive, by the way. I put him into a course, and his score went up 200 points, just like that. And this is what I learned just from reading. There are studies that show for every 10 hours of test preparation for the SAT, you can expect the score to go up 100 points. So I thought, hey, I'm willing to pay. I want you to go through, you know, another, another two weeks of this, and let's see if we can hit 1,600. 1,600 is the absolute very best score you can get. And by the way, if you get 1,600, you will get a pretty decent scholarship, if not a full ride to most colleges. Does that make sense? So I thought, okay, Isaac, let's do this. Like, let's, let's get perfect score on the SAT. But my son, he didn't want to. And I started getting really, like, I started getting really angry. I said, like, why aren't you motivated? Why don't you want to work hard? Why don't you want to study? Why don't you want to get a better grade? And then at some point I realized my SAT score was much worse than his. <laughs> Why am I expecting my son to do something that even I wasn't able to do? I think parents, we all love our kids. Does that make sense? We all love our kids. But sometimes we ask them to do things that even we weren't able to do. Does that make sense? And that's, that's one of the ways that you can provoke your children. Um, so my son was playing varsity volleyball at school. He was on the volleyball team. And, you know, during the pandemic, they didn't allow parents to come and watch the games because, obviously, you know, the spread of the disease. But after a point, they started letting parents come to the games in person, you know, to watch the volleyball game. And, you know, all parents react differently to their children doing good and bad, you know? Some, if you've ever been to like a baseball little league game or a softball game or a basketball game, there are parents on the sidelines and some parents are like, oh, great shot, son, you know, great job, you know, to their daughter and so forth. But some parents, when their kids mess up, are the most vocal in front of everyone to their own kids. And this is what started happening. It wasn't me because I wasn't there. But one of the parents, every time their child was messing up, would stand up 
and go off in a tirade against their own child playing volleyball. And so the school said, no more parents coming. <laughs> they said, no more. And, you know, if you've ever been to a Little League game or a basketball, there's always this one parent that's like the most out of control when it comes to their own kid. The Bible says, don't provoke your children. And parents, we can always see faults in our children. But let's be merciful. Let's be gracious, especially to our own children. Can you say amen to that? Let's be especially gracious. Now, the other area that I know can be a source of provoking children happened to me not that long ago. My, I'm talking a lot about my oldest son because I've been spending more time with him as of late. My oldest son had to get his driver's license, so I started teaching him how to drive. And, you know, this is really a, sh a shameful thing to admit, but when he drove, I said, you know, Isaac, you won't pass the test if you go out of the lines, you know, so he would make sure he stays in the line. Isaac, you can't, when you see yellow, you have to stop. Like, you, you have to slow down. If you, if you go through on a yellow or whatever, like, the, the instructor won't like that. And, you know, all these little tips, Isaac, the speed limit is posted here. It's 35. You've got to go under 35. Unfortunately, at one point, he made the comment, but dad, you don't. And, you know, it's true. It's true that my driving was not in any way exemplary of what he was supposed to be doing. And I realized a lot of parents are like this. We love our kids. We want them to do what's right. But unfortunately, we are not always doing what's right. Does that make sense? And see, that's, that was, it hit me because, you know, I won't tell you how I drive, but you get the point, right? The point is that my son was listening to all of this and he realized, like, why are you telling me this? And, you know, he still has to take his driver's test. He hasn't taken it yet. But I realized that parents, we infuriate our children when we are inconsistent. You say one thing, but you expect them to do a totally different, or you do one thing, but you tell them to do something different. You will make your children angry with you. Now, look at Ephesians 5 again. I'm sorry. Yeah, look at Ephesians 5. Look at verse 29. No, 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 no. I apologize. That's the wrong verse. That's the wrong verse. <laughs> Um, I'm going to read Ephesians 6, verse 4, but I'm going to read it from the New American Standard Bible. I'm gonna, I want you to listen to this. So this is Ephesians 6, verse 4, but the NASB. Here's what it says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now. Do you see that word? Did, did you see that word? Put that back on the screen. Do you see that word chastening? Do you see that word chastening? That in Greek is the same word that when Pilate said to Jesus, or he didn't say it to Jesus, but he said to the Jews, I will chase, chastise him and then release him. Do you remember that word? So 
folks, this is in the Bible, and I, I, I don't want you to take this out of context. But the Bible teaches that in raising our children, it may be necessary. I didn't say it has to be, but I said it might be necessary that it would require physical discipline. Now, I know, I know, and in society today, this is hotly debated. But I want to just say this. When you go through Scripture, um, there is some a number of references that talk about this. Here's what it says in Proverbs 19, verse 18. It says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Now, I know that you can take this too far. I think that at some point, my parents probably took it too far, okay? <laughs> but I want to say that if you can learn that the Bible's admonition talks about physical discipline, Ellen White also has something to say about this. She says, never discipline your children in anger. Does that make sense? See, most of the time when people discipline their children, it's done out of anger. And I've been there and I've made that mistake. But does it make sense that if children are to be disciplined and you can do it without anger, this would be in harmony with the biblical admonition on how to raise children. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, one more point here in, in um, Ephesians 6, verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, we have to love our children, and we have to discipline them. But the Bible also makes it very clear that you have to teach your children. You know, some parents, they expect the pastor or the Sabbath school teacher or the teacher at school to do all the teaching. Do you realize that a child's first, parent, uh, first teacher is their own parents? Does that make sense? And... I want to be specific because I don't believe that Ephesians 6, 4 is just talking about life in general. I believe it's talking about spiritual instruction. If you're a parent, it is your duty, according to the Bible, to teach your children about God and about the Word of God. Amen? And this is something that I think today is very, very much neglected in homes. And by the way, the best place, the best place to teach your children about God is in family worship. We've talked about that in a previous sermon that I had. But every family should have family worship. And that's the best place to teach your children about God. I'm going to close with Jeremiah chapter 13 and verse 20. And this is a... Very, very solemn question. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 20. And I want you, if you are a parent, to picture this in your mind. Jesus comes 
you are caught up to meet him in the air. You are taken to heaven. And there in heaven, when it's your turn, this question is asked to you. What is the question? Jeremiah 13, verse 20. Lift up your eyes and behold them that come from the north. Where is the what? The flock that was given thee, thy beautiful flock. Now, I want to tell you, every parent has been entrusted by God with the children that you have. Can you say amen to that? That's a biblical truth. God entrusted you with those children. And someday, God will ask you. He's going to ask this simple question, where are the children that I have entrusted to you? Where are they? You know, I, I, some of you know I, I've been through a divorce. My children don't live with me. But I have done and I continue to do everything in my power to, do, to, to, to see that my children will be saved in God's kingdom. And, you know, I, I don't think that it requires money I don't think it requires, I think more than anything, if you have a parent that is faithfully praying for the salvation of their children, that will do more for their salvation than all of the money in the world or all of the other things that you could do. That one criteria will be the one thing that I think has the greatest chance for that child to be saved in heaven. Parents, I want to say, pray for your children. Because someday Jesus will ask us, where are these children that I entrusted with you? Where is that flock, your beautiful flock that I gave you? I want to recommit myself to being a better parent today. How about you? Amen? Would you bow your heads with me as we have a word of prayer? Father in heaven, it is my prayer today that you would help us to understand what it means to be a parent in these times, not according to society, but according to the Bible. It's my prayer that you would help us to be loving parents, but also firm parents, but also instructive parents. Help us to have the spirit of Jesus as we lead our children to the heavenly kingdom. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.